All right. All right. Well, welcome to Philippi Conversations podcast episode 15. 15 episodes. Wow. We started in 1963. And so we've done one episode a decade. And it's, yeah, it's great. No, this podcast exists. I just want to clarify this because we believe the gospel transformed lives and we believe gospel conversations become a vehicle for life change. So every so often we come in here to the, the Hive Studios. And we have a conversation about the gospel. And this morning, I'm joined by my dear friend, Rousseau Barasser. Greetings and salutations. Yo, if you guys watched our last podcast, Rousseau's brother, Zav, was in. So apparently, it's just the Brasser month. You guys are just so wise. Can't can't help but ask you to come on. You know, Bad judge of character, as the <laughs> Grinch said. So who is Rousseau? Uh, Rousseau is a friend of mine, uh, a pastor at uh, the Story Church. And uh, you've been at the story six months, something like that? Uh, it'll be a year next month. Not your first ministry gig, though. You've done ministry before, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah worked at different variety. churches. Yep. Um, if you are the age of 10 or younger, you probably know Rousseau as my kids do, which is as the quester. And the quester is a legit character played by Rousseau that makes YouTube videos for kids and teaches them the Bible. And it's incredible. My kids love the quester. Are you still doing that? Are you still dropping content? It's funny you ask. Uh, we've been on hiatus since I started the story, but yeah. we've been um, filming and recording and getting a bunch of new stuff to launch, hopefully a vacation Bible school quester, which Dude. essentially, yeah, the quester just asks and explores life's biggest questions in a kid friendly so way. So, so I'm going to put the link to that channel in the description. Oh, so wow. if you want to check that out, definitely do it, especially if Thanks. you have kiddos, even if you're an adult, you might like it. It's, it's pretty cool. If you um, like Mr. Rogers and apologetics and philosophy. All mixed in one. <laughs> Mr. Rogers with a little more, a little more hair, you know, like a little more stacked hair. I'm just messing. It's good. So, um, Rousseau is, is someone that I have seen over the years be particularly gifted in the area of discipleship. Um, I see you with guys all the time at the coffee shops and around. I hear uh, friends of mine, even people at our church that are influenced by you, that you've taken time to sit with and mentor and, and, and uh, help love Jesus more. And so because that's the subject for this morning, mentorship slash discipleship, uh, I thought Rousseau would be a great guest to, to have and to come and to have a conversation mm. about this. And so this Sunday, I'm going to be preaching a sermon in our three-week series called Practice Makes Perfect, and it's kind of a spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices kind of a thing. And the third and final practice, we're going to be talking about the practice of mentorship mm -hmm. um, slash discipleship. And we'll talk about maybe the differences of those and why we're using that word mm -hmm. uh, in a minute. And so I thought this would be maybe a good double click, maybe a good uh, bonus footage, maybe just some extra thoughts mm. um, to kind of accompany this Sunday sermon. Um, we're trying to get our, our people, we're trying to all think about how do we really make disciples? How do we really be a church that is building itself up, as Ephesians says, in love, um, growing itself up using the different gifts? And so I want to I want to run after this subject a little bit with this morning. So it's going to be a, a dialogue. I'm going to have some questions uh, for Rousseau. Uh, so here's where I kind of would like to start. Uh, I want to start with 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 some story. I, I'd like to hear um, how mentorship has played a role maybe in your life. Yeah. Um, who who are the mentors or, or how did those mentors really reach out to you? Let's kind of set the table by just giving some some definition. Put this into 3D for us. Let's see. How did mentorship shape Rousseau in your spiritual formation? Yeah, 3D. Uh, I think of the three disciplers who came along into my life. There's three uh, men particularly 
uh, after graduating high school who came along one after another. There was Mr. White, Mr. Black, and Mr. Brown. Uh, there's Bill White, who I met down in Mexico. Wow. For real. Yeah, I was down Crazy. in Mexico at the orphanage down there serving for a long time. And uh, that's where I met Bill White. He's just this cowboy. Yep. Like, yeah, if you know Bill White, you know him. He did my wedding. Um, just a rock solid dude who just loves Jesus and loves to pray. And, mm. and he just has a prayer practice that I was like, dang, I want to like learn from him. So, mm. uh, there was just a, yeah, a relationship that was formed down my, uh, in my time down there for like a year and a half that, um, just to this day, like continues to grow yeah. and, um, love him. And then I came back, um, and met, uh, Craig Black, who, um, is just like, he was our next door neighbor when my wife and I first got married and we had like a shared love for like reformed theology. And there was mm. just like this, um, yeah, this amazing, uh, friendship that was like, formed and I just looked up to him a ton as like a, he's a businessman. He's also a father and mm -hmm. he's a theologian. So I was like, dang, I love this guy. And then my wife and I moved up to Eugene, um, six months after getting married and at the church Ecclesia up there, there was a man yeah. named Mike Brown, who's one of the deacons. And, um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I never put it together until a few, a few years later. I was like, Oh, my mentors are all, you know, wow. Mr. White, That's Black so and funny, Brown. Man. And Mike Brown, uh, just, yeah, our, our first month up there, I was at a college retreat and Mike and Sally, his wife were like sharing on, uh, discipleship and, yeah. Um, I was just like blown away by just the wisdom and depth of character that he had. So I like very quickly, like tried to attach myself to him and he was mm. just such a, like a gracious, yeah, friend. He became a mentor who to so this day, cool. I called him on my way up here to talk mentorship stuff with nice. him and be like, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So tell me really quick. I want to, I want to push on this a little more. So with each of these, and maybe it's not the same for all three. Um, did you like ask these people, Hey, I, I want you to mentor me. Or was it just kind of like a natural organic thing that happened or, or maybe both? Yeah, I think it was uh, just a magnetic thing um, that, that was very not, um, yeah, it wasn't forced, but it was, I just got distracted by seeing Mr. Rogers painting on that yeah. wall over there. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, back there. Just looking, just looking at you. <laughs> he's watching over me. Um, <laughs> sorry. You be my neighbor. He me? actually is like my mentor right now. I'm not joking. I, I listen to his Dude. music and watch his stuff. Have just, you seen the movie that uh, Tom Hanks made? Yeah, but the so documentary's good. better. Is it? it? Sorry. Okay. Side tangent. Yeah. Yeah, it was always organic with those mentors. They just, um, I, I just tried to spend as much time as I could next to them and asked questions and they were very open and um, yeah, hospitable to just like bringing me in and letting mm -hmm. me share life and come to their homes and yeah, just fellowship around the table and talk and began to just grow. Yeah. And that so friendship good. and trust. And then, yeah. yeah, so good. Yeah. I, you know, I have a similar experience when I think back through the corridors of time. No, um, you know, I got saved when I was 17 and been walking with Jesus now almost 33. And when I think about the landmark moments, when I think about really the, the, the things that pushed me to the next level in, in understanding God's grace for me and living mm. out of it, I think of people yeah. more than I think of sermons or, mm -hmm. or anything like that. I mean, the, there's been a lot of things that have formed me, but, but certainly people and three come to mind for me as well as very Trinitarian. Mine don't have colors, um, but whatever. I think of my youth pastor who, uh, interestingly enough, had a formative um, uh, influence on my life before I was a Christian. Mm. Um, and there's certainly other people I could think of, my mom and my, my dad and my brother that, that were helpful in that too. But my youth pastor would, you know, he'd take me home from youth group sometimes and I lived kind of out of town. And, and I just remember him being so gracious to mm -hmm. just sit and listen to my uh, ridiculous high school problems. Yeah. And, um, and, and what I think I learned from that man was I learned 
what it looks like to be all in for Jesus, mm. you know, to, to really be all about the kingdom of Christ. And, uh, and that really had an impact in me. And then, uh, after some years, maybe two years after I got saved, uh, I, I encountered this crazy group of people that were, uh, street evangelizing in Ashland. Um, one of them actually was your, your oldest brother, Kobe, uh, just this crazy girl, like TJ, Nick Griffin, all these guys. Yeah. And, and I'd never met dudes that were that excited about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that was a thing. Right. Cause I, I got yeah. saved in this environment where people were like, they liked Christianity and I think they were Christians, but mm-hmm. they were pretty carnal and, and pretty unexcited about him most of the day until mm-hmm. they were in like a worship setting. And then all of a sudden they got real charismatic. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden these guys were like another level. And at first mm-hmm. it was annoying. At first I'm like, you guys can't be real. Yeah. Um, then I started to hang out with them and I realized like, well, you guys are like this all the time. Mm-hmm. Like Bible under the arm all the time, everywhere we went, Bibles were open conversation mm-hmm. about Jesus. And it wasn't like an annoying way where we felt like we had to do it. It was like, mm-hmm. what else would we talk about yeah. besides Christ? Uh-huh. And that had a huge impact on me. Now that wasn't necessarily like a mentor, but it was mm-hmm. somebody that, that pulled me up mm-hmm. into another level, I think of trusting uh, in Christ that I hadn't been to. Yeah. Um, and then another one is, is my, my friend uh, and still mentor Jeremy Neff, who's mm-hmm. an elder at this church and a pastor at Heritage and sitting in the office next to him and his door was always open and coming in and sitting down and letting him or him letting me talk and asking me questions and not making me feel stupid. Um, looking back, he, he certainly could have, you know, mm-hmm. was, was awesome. So yeah. So just like you, you know, yeah. different layers of people that have had huge impact in my life. Just mm-hmm. so thankful for, and I'm sure everybody listening could probably draw up, you know, some people mm-hmm. like that. Um, let, let's talk now a little bit about why we don't see this much. Um, or at least maybe why we don't see this much formally in the church. Uh, I sit with a lot of people and, um, you know, let me back up. Let me back up. I want to, I want to build a biblical foundation first. Let's, sure. let's ask the question, mm-hmm. is this whole idea of mentorship? Is this a biblical paradigm? Mm-hmm. Uh, I see mentorship. If you Google, for instance, if you go to YouTube, which I did this week, if you go to YouTube and you type in mentorship, like mm-hmm. you're going to find a lot of videos and most of them will not be Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you find, if you type in the word discipleship, you'll get a lot of Christian videos, but they're pretty nebulous. They're pretty theological. They're not very practical. Um, so I think I found a couple of sermons maybe this week as digging, as I was digging about mentorship, but there's mm-hmm. not really much out there. Um, so this idea of mentorship, is it biblical? Um, and maybe let's, let's, is there scriptural emphasis? Is there scriptural, um, room for this? Uh, how would you answer that? How would you kind of unpack that from, from a scriptural standpoint? You know, if you're asking the question is the word mentor or mentorship in the Bible, it's not, but what is so valued in the Bible, like all over the place is wisdom. And so, um, uh, to me, that's really what the goal of mentorship is, is to mm-hmm. grow in wisdom, yep. which is an, an attribute of God um, and should be a mark of his children as well. And for me, like when you mentioned mentorship, the first verse that came to mind is one that I, I committed to memory back when I was like 18, because I was like, I really want this for my life. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty says, he mm-hmm. who walks with wise men will be wise, but mm-hmm. the companion of fools will be destroyed. And that was like, for me, like, dang, I'd like pretty much grown up till that point walking with all the fools and like destruction and just chaos and disorder was the result of that in my life. And then seeing wise men who were older, who had gone through both like great successes and great challenges and even failures and being like, I really want to learn from that and not make all those mistakes myself or, uh, you know, have those successes myself, um, mm-hmm. gave me the idea that like, of course it's, it's totally biblical that, that walking with wise people will actually 
increase your chances of being right. wise yourself. And uh, that's probably the wisest thing you can do is good. not think that you have all the wisdom. Um, yeah. So that's correct. That reminded me of another proverb too. That's similar. There's a lot of proverbs like this, you know, uh, in the Pro- book of Proverbs, but Proverbs one, five uh, in seven, let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. Mm-hmm. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and instruction. Mm-hmm. So by definition, if you're someone who's not seeking out or, or just even refusing instruction, mm-hmm. then you're a fool. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you know? Um, yeah. So c- continue on. What, what other, what other things come to your mind when we think about, is this, is this a biblical, you know, idea? Mm-hmm. The other ones that come to mind are, are new Testament passages like Titus two, um, yep. that talks about, um, let me just turn there. Yeah. Um, money. Titus two, has a lot to say about just how to yeah navigate the older and younger people um, relationships. It says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, the younger, like urge the younger men to be self-controlled. And there's always this like, if you're older, teach right. and train, set an example. Um, and if you're younger, look to those people, yeah. gather, you know, a, a good amount of those people by yourself to hopefully grow in wisdom and walking in the way of Jesus. Yeah. Philippians three also comes to mind where Paul says like, be an imitator of me as I imitate Christ, right. like follow my, my example, my pattern. Right. So I think it is following in footsteps. Yeah. That's the the biblical paradigm. And we all are obviously following as, as we follow mentors, mentors who are following in the footsteps of Jesus. That's yeah. totally biblical. Yeah. So. yeah, that's good. How would you, if, if at all, would you separate mentorship from discipleship? Um, or are there, I mean, obviously there's overlap, mm-hmm. right? But, but maybe put a fine point on like, what is mentorship in contrast to discipleship. And maybe we could define that too, you know, while we're at it, just in case people that are listening are like, isn't this just discipleship? Yeah, I think um, discipleship is always to Jesus. We, we're, uh, we're his apprentices, we're his students, we're learning from him. Um, discipleship to me um, is the, pr- it's, well, it is the primary metaphor used to describe the relationship of believers to Jesus, that he's the rabbi, we're the disciples, yeah. we're learning from him, we're learning to live like him and learning to love like him. Um, mentorship is um, is not primarily, um, it's, it's a way that we see people who are themselves disciples and kind of, yeah, glean from them and follow mm-hmm. in their shadow as we, yeah, follow them That's as good. they follow Christ. There's, um, there's another person element to it. And not that there's not other people involved, involved in our discipleship, but um, specifically for the growing in wisdom. That's to me yeah. where mentorship, um, mm-hmm. which is an aspect of being a disciple, of course, yeah. you should be wise disciples, but um, mentors are, are crucial for that. That's good. I like how you said everyone is being discipled by Jesus. I think that's an important point um, because otherwise we put too much pressure on our mentors to mm-hmm. be Jesus. Right. And, and really, I think, I think a mentor is a, like you said, um, just to re maybe even re- reiterate it. Like a mentor is one of probably many people that, that Jesus is discipling you through mm-hmm. to become the image of Christ and not to get ahead of myself here. But I think that's one of the things that often keeps us from mentorship is we think, well, I got to be like mm-hmm. exactly like Jesus. I got to embody the full character of, of the Christ, right. Mm-hmm. To, to be able to, to say, imitate me. But in reality, like that's, that's not 
exactly like no one is going to be all of what Jesus was, but everybody can be a part of what Jesus was as Jesus is coming through us, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's good. You know, the, the, the great commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20 Mm -hmm. is so explicit, you know, to make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Mm -hmm. And that word teaching really, um, it really comes up in Titus too, right? Mm -hmm. Older, um, older men, older women. And I don't think that just means, um, chronologically, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I know some pretty immature older people. Um, it, it means those that have been walking with the Lord longer mm-hmm. ought to teach and instruct. Um, and that's really the same commission Jesus gave us. Mm-hmm. So to make disciples is to, to take people, to bring them into the kingdom of God through baptism, to catch the fish, if you will. And then to begin to do the process of, of instruction and teaching, mm-hmm. um, like Paul calls Timothy to do in, in, in Timothy two, but, Anyways, so so that is so central to not only the command of Jesus, but the um, example of Jesus, yeah. right? Like Jesus didn't just say, go do this. He spent three years doing it, and then he had four gospel accounts recording it. Mm-hmm. We're teaching through Mark right now, and it's just incredibly incredible to me how much the disciples' mm-hmm. relationship with Jesus is really the central feature. Yeah. How did Jesus teach these guys? How did right. he bear with them patiently? How did, he, how did he walk alongside their ignorance? And how did he slowly lead them to understanding, you know, and, and how many times did they miss it? It's so central. Uh, and so it's it's interesting to me, and maybe we can transition here. It's interesting to me how we miss that, though, mm. in so much of church culture. Like how many people have been walking with Jesus for 10, 20, 30 years and have neither given mentorship mm-hmm. nor received it? Yeah. I sit with a lot of people and I ask them, have you ever had somebody like significantly sit down with you and, and help you work through things in your soul, mm-hmm. press on areas in your life? Never had it. Yeah. You know, um, why do you think that is? I mean, why, why are we missing that so collectively in Western evangelicalism, would you say? Dang. That's, uh, I mean, how much time do we have? <laughs> but no, 45 minutes now. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I think um, the thing that comes to my mind when, when you ask that question is a question that I would ask older, wiser men uh, as I was growing up in my, you know, Starting at 18, I started asking everyone older than me this question. I'd say, hey, what is the greatest need that you see in my generation? What's like, what is it that my generation is missing? What What's the greatest need? And there were a lot of wise answers that I got over the years. Um, just, I mean, yeah, mind-blowing, great yeah. answers. Yeah. Um, but the one that sticks out to me was somebody younger said to me, um, the greatest need of our generation, this person's my age, is for us to see our need we are a generation that doesn't see that we have any need at all. We don't see our need for, uh, you know, Christ. We don't see our need for wisdom. We don't see, we just are so saturated and full and uh, stuffed with the world and this culture's mm. intoxicating, inflated sense of self that we don't see our need. And I was like, dang, I married a freaking wise girl. That is my <laughs> wife who said that. And nice. for her to identify that, like, yeah, we, we just are a generation that doesn't even see our need. Um, that's that's one of the greatest yeah. needs is just to see that we have a need. And so it's non-existent, I think, in part because we don't see our need for it. We, we're a, we're a, a culture and a, at least our generation, maybe even older, um, who's just very self-sufficient and independent and isolated. You know, we yeah. all have our own uh, declaration of independence, that I can be independent, I can be autonomous, right. I can be my own person, and I don't need anyone to tell me how to do it differently. And we rob mm-hmm. ourselves of the gift of having people like instruct us, like the Proverbs that you read, like mm-hmm. instruct us and give us correction and wisdom and so we can grow in understanding and obtain guidance. Yeah. Um, this last month I was at the pool 
I'm sorry, it was a few months ago. Um, and I'm like swimming because I watched the Mr. Rogers documentary and he's like swimming. And I'm <laughs> Were like, you wearing a Speedo like Tom Hanks, <laughs> like Tom Hanks was? And <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Um, uh, and, and as I'm swimming, I'm like five laps in and I'm like in my head trying to get 20 laps and I'm just struggling and I'm like dying. And there's this older dude who, who's just got done. And I'm like, how many laps did you swim? He's like, I just swam 50. And I was like, whoa, he goes, you know, you're doing it all wrong. And he just has the, like the courage to just call me. And he's like, yeah. you're not doing it right at all. And I was like, please like, tell me, like <laughs> explain to me how to do it. And so then for like five minutes, I pause my like exercise routine and just get some guidance from him. And he had like the, the willingness to like, just say, yeah. Hey, you're wrong. And it's not an, an offensive thing and I didn't take it that way. I was like, thank you. Like, I, I know yeah. that intuitively. I know there's something wrong about how I'm doing it. It's not just my body's out of shape, but I don't even know the technique of how to swim right. these laps. Right. And so to um, have a teachable, receptive posture when someone has the willingness to call you on how badly you're doing, yeah. um, that's, that's huge. And we often just get defensive when people um, expose, but we know intuitively we're not doing it right. Like if we're honest and we pause and turn off all the noise and we're just with ourselves, like, how many of us would say like, I'm doing it right. I'm growing, I'm rooted, I'm abiding, I'm thriving. Probably yeah. not. Yeah. So for someone to call you on that, if you, if you take it defensively, then you're right. missing out and you're going to rob yourself of their right. wisdom and instruction. You yeah. know, after yeah. he taught me, I was like able to swim multiple laps a lot better, you know, it's still yeah. difficult, but you're looking a pretty, lot easier. you're looking pretty shrill too, man. I was going to say, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think one of the issues too, just like is the paradigm of our generation, which is that we think because we know something that therefore we're good at it. Mm -hmm. um, like YouTube is, is an interesting phenomenon to me because, because we can learn anything we want really with the click of a button. We have this um, false idea that we're super wise, right? Like mm -hmm. if I want to know what's going on, you know, with, I want to know how to fix a carburetor. It's like, I can jump on YouTube and, and, and watch a video on how to, I don't know if you fix a carburetor. I don't fix cars, but you know, whatever it is, like you can become an expert mm -hmm. in 10 minutes, basically, or at least we think we can. And, and, but the problem is, is that we've, we've thought about Christianity all wrong. Mm -hmm. We've thought of it as something that we mentally assent to. Mm -hmm rather than something we practice and live right. out information as opposed to immersion and integration and just totally. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. And so what we, what we do is we, we go, well, I already know this stuff. Mm -hmm. I know, I know this stuff, so I don't need someone to coach me. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of like the person sitting on the couch, like watching the Super Bowl, being like, I know, I know how I know the game of football, yeah. but we're not actually playing it. When you start playing, you need a, what you need a coach. Like you need mm -hmm. someone that can give you the insight that you can't get. The perspective that you don't see and i think a lot of us have these screen mentors mm. or like things that we would think that they're screen mentors. like the phenomenon of jordan peterson is interesting to me mm -hmm. there's a there's a lot of young men my age who are very smitten by jordan peterson mm -hmm. because he kind of calls it how it is he's really smart he says all these you know uh, anthropological interesting things mm -hmm. societally and he points out all this stuff uh nobody knows him Mm -hmm. uh, and everybody has their favorite megachurch pastor that they listen to right. or whatever, you know, and, but, but they don't know them. Right. And we've, we've mistaken this for having a mentor, mm -hmm. but it's very different. Absolutely. And what we've done is we've, we've confused content with coaching. Mm. You know, we've confused intellect with insight. Mm -hmm. So intellect is like, I know something insight mm -hmm. is someone's looking into my soul, right? Someone's looking at my behavior. Someone's pressing on my life and saying, you know, you, you you're doing this thing. Why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. What are you believing that's making you do that? We've, we've confused um, the profound with the prophetic mm. meaning like, 
you can listen to a video, a TED talk is very profound, Yeah. but I want the prophetic in my life. I want someone that could speak into mm -hmm. my life. Uh, there's a number of men that have had a significant influence on me that I've never met. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful for those. John Piper, John MacArthur, uh, you know, people that I've listened to their sermons, I've gleaned from them, but those men have never actually reached into my soul right. and actually pressed on things, asked me questions, mm -hmm. questioned my questions, yeah. questioned my behavior. And that's really what Titus 2 is laying out, right? Mm -hmm. It's older men, older women in the Lord. Um, you need to model this and they need to teach it, instruct right. it hands-on, you know, like, like Jesus did. So this idea of the perfect mentor on the screen is mm -hmm. keeping us from the real human across the table. Totally. There's, you know? Yeah, there's uh, the... Um, the idea that if I have like intellectual agreement or mental assent to something and agree with the truthfulness of it, that means I'm doing right. it. But that's that's not the same as wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to then actually carry it out in your life in a way that brings fruit as opposed to I now hear the facts and I watched the video and got the information and I agree with it and give a thumbs up to it as opposed right. to cultivating the ability to like live virtuously. And I'm like, I love words. And so I like this morning, I'm like Google searching the etymology of mentor. And it comes from uh, Homer's Odyssey. There's a character hmm. named mentor who hmm. actually gives guidance and correction and instruction to the young, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Mac Macaulius or something like that. Mm. Um, and then you I was nailed like, it. yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> so it's like, got some that. Greek scholars going to be watching this, like, wanting to slap it. me. <laughs> I hope there's no Greek scholars watching this. <laughs> I really doubt there might be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then there's also the, uh, the Sanskrit word uh, mantor, which means uh, one who thinks. And then there's the Latin root uh, monitor, one who admonishes. And they're all connected to the word mentor. So one who like thinks and admonishes and gives guidance. Those are all like ideas. But you need an actual relationship, like you're saying. You need actual people who know you personally and are able to give that insight yeah. and think through, hey, how can yeah. I help this person grow and admonish them right. and prophetically call that out right. of them? So yeah, it's you don't get it from a, a screen. Different than a manatar, right? Is I it? know. I was thinking manatar too. I'm like, hey, does that get to tie in? <laughs> Hold on, wait. <laughs> Do you need a mentor or a manatar? I don't know. I'm not even sure what a manatar is. Very sure. No, dude, great. He has great thoughts. You know, it's it's something that I think maybe another example would be, you know, I, I decided to start snowboarding like, if, you know, my five years, six years ago. I never done it before. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to nail it without having to learn, right? Like, so I'm like, I'm going to get on YouTube and I'm going to watch all these instructional videos before I get out there. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling pretty good, you yeah. know, because I watched the videos. It's like, you know, this is how you carve. This is how you turn. This is how you stop. I'm like, oh, easy peasy. And then I get out there and I just was terrible, right? I was terrible. Even though in my head, I felt like I had this mental ascent uh -huh. of understanding snowboarding. Right. When I actually started doing it, uh, I really was terrible at it. And uh -huh. my, my buddy that came with me was, was gracious enough to slow down and then give me mm -hmm. pointers. He's like, Hey, you're leaning too far this way. Hey, you need to relax. You need to go a little faster. You know, these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So we think about the Christian life as something we do or just intellectual and right, yeah. right. Rather than just something we simply go. Yes, I uh -huh. agree with that. Yes, um, now, of course we're saved by faith and, and faith isn't a work, but when we work out our faith, it takes work. Right. And so, mm -hmm. so the idea of following Jesus, the Christian life is a practice. We need someone to coach that. Mm -hmm. We need someone to say, Hey, look, like you're missing something here. And I think that the, the false reality is that that person has to be perfect or nailing it to be able to give us insight. Sometimes you don't necessarily need a pro, you just need someone that can see you from the outside. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I'm hiking into lakes 
uh, backpacking and someone will come down the trail that just came out of the lake I was at. And I go, Hey, you know, how, how, how busy is it? You know, how much further, um, how many more, how many more Hills, you know, whatever, uh, they don't need to be a pro. They don't need to be a professional outdoorsman. Mm -hmm. They've just been to the lake. Right. And, and so they can give me some perspective on what the trail up to the lake looks like. And that's really what we need sometimes, right? Like we don't need a perfect person. Yeah. We just need someone that's been down the trail a little bit and can, can take a look at, at our, our stride or whatever mm -hmm. and give us some coaching, you know? My, my mentor, uh, Mike Brown, that's what he said today that was most like helpful. He said, yeah, we, we often rob ourselves of being mentors ourselves because we think that the bar is perfection, but really, um, if we're just honest and accessible and transparent and have like the vulnerability to share both our weaknesses, like we don't have to be strong, like perfect, got it all together people to be mentors. You just yeah. need to be a little further down the path. Right. So, so one question maybe that I could ask is what, what would you say some of the primary hurdles are that people that are either seeking to mentor or should be seeking to mentor or, um, that would seek mentorship or should be seeking mentorship. What, what are some of the primary hurdles? Like speak to that a little bit. How would you coach somebody or, or what would you tell somebody that's like not pursuing that or not really necessarily looking at that? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. We, oh, um, there it is. That's it. No, like really, I think the, the, um, like you've, you've hit on it already, but like this, idea that just being on my screen is like good enough. Um, and that if I'm watching people who say the right things and the truths I agree with, that means I'm growing, um, the distractions and the endless noise that comes from just being, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, technologically immersed as opposed to immersed in the vision of Christ for the people of his church, which I think is best encapsulated in, um, second Peter chapter one, he says, um, for this very reason, make every effort, um, to quote Rick, like God's not opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. We don't earn this, but when, uh, he says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. That's the practice of doing the right thing until it becomes second nature and virtue with knowledge. So there's increasing in knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness, the persevering faith and steadfastness with godliness to where you're imitating God and becoming more like him and godliness with brotherly affection. That's the relational dynamics we've been talking about and brotherly affections with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, for whoever lacks these qualities. And he, basically he goes on to just say, there is such a thing as being unfruitful and ineffective of yeah. the knowledge and ineffective in the knowledge of the Lord. It's this, it's this idea that I'm a Christian because I've believed the gospel and I've received it and that's all there is God has for me and I'm good. I'm a part of the kingdom and I'm, my sins are forgiven. I'm going to heaven when I die as opposed to, okay, great. That's like the starting point. That's not the yeah. climactic pinnacle of discipleship. Right. The goal is to grow into this kind of person who's, who, person who's virtuous, who's full of self-control and has deep knowledge, not just intellectual, but like the wisdom to impart to others, brotherly affection, steadfastness, and agape love, the kind of love of God that flows yeah. from him through us. He's like, grow into that kind of person, make every effort to grow into that kind of right. person. Otherwise you're going to be inf ineffective and yeah. unfruitful. And so, um, I think that's a hurdle is just good. getting people to realize like believing the gospel uh, is the starting point, but the goal is to be like, yeah. like Christ, to be a, an agape yeah. immersed person. So, yeah. yeah, I agree. You know, I think humility is, is huge. And, and I think you said it in the beginning, but we, if we don't see ourselves as needing to grow, mm -hmm. we, we're not going to pursue help in that growth. And mm -hmm. I think that, um, 
when we really want to learn something, we're actually pretty quick yeah. to ask for help with it. Um, you know, if we see somebody that has a, a, a experience or a skill set in an area that, that we want to grow, I think the biggest issue is that I don't know that many Christians are really trying to grow spiritually. Um, they're, they're sort of content to have their salvation, sort of tick the boxes that have been mm -hmm. laid out. And some of this comes maybe their next question, which is church culture. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if we created a church environment that doesn't really mm -hmm. call people to this, have we created a church environment that has um, coddled adolescents and kind mm -hmm. of allowed people to, to never have to grow into a mentor type role? Yeah. Um, have we created an environment uh, where we are actually happy to just let the pastors do the mentoring and the mm -hmm. discipling um, and the pastors are happy to do that because it gives them an inflated sense of self-worth mm -hmm. and, and the church can sort of sit back and let the professionals do the ministry. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the greatest lies of Satan yeah. is to, 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 to keep the church from being the church. Mm -hmm. How many godly men and women that have had seasons of failure and walking through grace and having to believe mm -hmm. the gospel for themselves that are not sharing those resources mm -hmm. simply because um, they think it's the pastor's job. Right. Uh, but I think one of the biggest hurdle um, is, is really just that we're waiting for someone to ask. Mm -hmm. hmm. You know, I think, I think we're, we're all waiting for someone to ask us to mentor them. And, uh, and then the people that want to be mentored are waiting for someone to ask them to, to ask if we want to be mentored. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's the stalemate where, where everyone's sort of, um, waiting for someone else to engage. And I would say, and this is just an opinion, yeah. put this in the opinion category. I would say it's the person wanting to be mentored. Mm -hmm. It's his or her responsibility to seek out the person I think that, yeah. that could mentor them because any self-respecting, humble, godly man or woman is not going to insert themselves mm -hmm. or assert themselves as some kind of a mentor figure mm -hmm. unless invited. I know I don't, mm -hmm. I don't call some, I don't say I'm that person's mentor right. unless that person gives me that title mm -hmm. or that, that permission. So I would say, you know, be, be someone who's engaging in that and asking for that. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise it probably won't, won't happen, mm. you know? The only thing I would um, add to that or nuance um, that with is there are relationships that are God-given in which um, you're not asked to do anything, but you're commanded to be, and that would be mm. in the home. I think that's probably the primary, as someone oh, who works yeah. with children, um, an undervalued and neglected idea of like mentorship, like the primary person or people that you are are going to be mentoring for a lot of people listening to this in our age group is going to be your children yeah. um, and, and having worked with them my whole life like I see um, the the absolute necessity for fathers and mothers to be that and to see themselves as a mentor and not just to see like children as like this uh, interruption to like oh man like I'm looking for God to bring someone my way that I can mentor and teach yeah. in the way of Jesus but like um, to be that in your home primarily mm -hmm. if if the church is full of families where fathers and mothers rise into that um, calling and um, representing the father in their homes and with their children the way that God intends. Um, man, like that's that's where we need, because 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says um, in verse uh, 14, I do not write these things to you to make you ashamed, but to admonish, there's the uh, the Latin admonish, uh, mm. ad, ad, uh, anyways, um, you as my beloved children, for although you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Um, and that's, there's a, there's a fatherlessness crisis in like, 
in the yeah. world, but especially especially in the church, that's the community we're talking about right now. In the church, there's not many fathers. There's a lot of young bucks and you know zealous people, but not a lot of people with like the wisdom and willingness to just be a father to the fatherless, yeah. and that's yeah. so central to the heart of God. So totally. I, I just want to like say that's that's, that's great. something that mentors that's a really good know. point. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I, I think it would be too much to say it's always the job of the mentee, um, particularly with with kids. Um, I think a lot of of dads, you, yeah. Your job is to, and moms, your job is to disciple your kids, regardless of whether they want it or not. I wanted to read something really quick. Uh, this Thessalonians, First Thessalonians two five through eight. I think there's a key in here I'd like to to put before you. Um, it says Paul says this: For we never came with words of flattery, mm-hmm. as you know, no, nor with a pretext for greed. In other words, we don't want anything from you. You know, we're, we didn't come here to get something from you, uh, prestige or, or influence or whatever. God is our witness. He says in verse six, nor did we seek glory from people. In other words, this isn't about what you think of us. This isn't about how many people can we collect. So we feel like we're really making a difference, mm-hmm. uh, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Verse seven is key, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves mm. because you had become very dear to us. Mm. I love that. Dichot- I love those two things, the, the gospel, but not only the gospel, mm-hmm. our own selves. Like we just yeah. gave of ourself. So and I good. think what, 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 what hangs us up sometimes is that we think of this mentor mentee relationship as this, like you need to be this like sage <laughs> who's going to sit down across the table and, and, and someone's going to ask you questions. You're just going to tell them what to do. You're going to give them advice. You're going to tell them all the right things. That's actually not what people need. Right. Um, that's not really what I want. Uh, what I want is someone to sit down and tell me how they messed up too to tell me what it looked like for them to fail Mm -hmm. and to have to believe the gospel for themselves. You know, to be able to sit down and share my woes and my struggles and my failures and for them to be like, yeah, I remember those same struggles Mm -hmm. and here's how God's grace was kind to me. And I think when Paul says sharing his own self, he means Mm -hmm. more than just his knowledge and more than just his his opinions, Mm -hmm. and we're quick to share opinions, but rather than to actually let this uh, to let these mm. people into his own life. So and Paul good. really modeled it. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't the slip out the back door pastor that never gets to talk. He was the mm-hmm. pastor that was making tents next to Aquila and Priscilla. He was the pastor who was in prison next to, mm. you know, next to his friends who, who took the time to write a letter to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus, this mm-hmm. young slave boy. He was just yeah. so involved in their life. And, yeah. and I think we need to get this picture out of our head of like, sit down and I'll be the expert, sit uh-huh. down and I'll tell you what to do. I'll give you some wisdom. Mm-hmm. That's actually very arrogant. It's a very prideful stance and that's not really what young people are looking for. I know I'm not looking for someone to tell me what to do. I'm looking for someone to remind me of the gospel Mm -hmm. and to listen. I just want to be heard. I just want to have somebody that can sit down and listen and then remind me of the truth of Christ. Yeah, absolutely, man. You nailed it. The ministry of presence is one of the most neglected ministries. It's just being present in people's lives Mm -hmm. long-term. Um, there's, cause there's trust and there's like mutual respect that's built up in those relationships Mm that, um, you know, when we talk about people being like representing Jesus, we often don't remember that like to re- to represent means to represent. So if I'm mm. a representative of Christ and I'm representing him in just as being a Christian, that I'm being a Christ bearer. I, I bear his name. I, yeah. I'm representing him. 
he was present, not just for the multitudes, but for the individuals. Mm. He had like just as much of a massive impact on this world by the one-on-one -on -one conversations that he had with Nicodemus or with, uh, you know, the apostles who had occasionally took him aside mm. or with the woman at the well. He was not like, hey, I've got, I've got some busier, better things to be doing. Right. He was just present and had like the ability to speak prophetically because he was intentionally in relationships with people. Dude, that's so good. Represent. I never thought about it that way. Like yeah, we represent him. You're sitting the in the in the space of Christ, mm -hmm. you know, as an ambassador, yeah. representing him. Yeah, that's so good. Because humans, we are all image bearers of God, but Christians have the unique privilege of being name bearers of God. Right. We bear his name, like, in a unique way, whereas, right. like, all the world, humans bear his image, but we've been yeah. immersed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy yeah. Spirit, so we carry his name. That's attached to his identity and his reputation. So, yeah, we got to be more yeah. intentional about how we carry his name. And one of the things that, one of the ministries of Christ that's so sweet is not only that he speaks, but that he listens. And so to be able to sit in the space of that for Christ on behalf of Christ, to be able to wow. sit in a space of listening. Cause sometimes, man, I'll be honest, like sometimes like we just need to talk mm -hmm. and we need to be heard, you know, um, and we need to place a space that's safe to be able to sit and, and just to be able to verbally process, but then have that verbal processing be absorbed by the gospel rather than, um, become a toxic thing or whatever, you know, have someone that can like a practitioner can bring us back to the cross and show us how the, the finished work of the cross and the resurrection of Christ is sufficient for our need in that moment, mm -hmm. as opposed to giving us a Dave Ramsey book or telling us, here's how you save money or here's how, here's how we did it. Or mm -hmm. here's, here are our rules in our house, you know, blah, blah, blah. and that stuff is helpful too, totally. right? Wisdom. But one of the things that, that hit me this morning as I was thinking through this, and I'll talk about this on Sunday too, but is that Jesus sent um, disciples to do discipling. Um, it's called the great co-mission, mm -hmm. meaning it's a community feature. It's a community process. Um, otherwise it would have just been the great mission. Mm -hmm. And he didn't rep, he didn't set, he didn't set someone in place singularly to replace himself as the discipler. Mm -hmm. He sent a group to mm -hmm. disciple. And this idea of discipling and community, I think is huge. Um, and I, you nailed it in the very beginning, the difference between discipling and mentoring. But I think if we see ourselves as having to be all that Christ is, then we'll, we'll run in fear, right? Like mm -hmm. I can't be that. But if we see ourselves as being one in a mosaic of features of Christ that will have an impact in our life. I mean, I, I've never sat under or been mentored by any person that was fully like Christ, mm -hmm. but there's been a little bit of Christ in everybody that I've mm -hmm. sat under or learned from. And when you put all that together, it creates yeah. the mosaic of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful for that. Cool. So for me, it's like as, a, as someone that mentors people or disciples people, I don't want to be all of Christ. I just want to be a little bit of Christ. Um, and some advice I would maybe give is if you, if you're going to ask someone to mentor you, seek out an area of their life that you respect, Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. like, man, you're a really good dad. Can mm -hmm. I just sit with, could you just tell me how to be a, a good dad? Uh, <laughs> like, can I, can, or man, you, you know, you love your wife really well mm -hmm. uh, or, or whatever the thing is, That's you know, to, to actually tell that person to, to speak and encourage them in that and say, could mm -hmm. you just coach me in that area? Mm -hmm. I have a lot of different voices in my life. I have theological mentors. Right. I have mentors, some, some mentors that just help me know how to be an administrator because I yeah. suck at that. You know, uh, some mentors that help me with different, I mean, just pick one thing yeah. and ask that person to help you in that area. So good. I like that. Any, any closing thoughts? Like, Riso, what would be some advice that you would give just to people that are maybe interested in either giving or receiving, uh, you know, mentorship for the Lord? I think um, just based on what you just said, the parable that came to my mind is the, the master who entrusts multiple, like just multiple people with different talents, each according to their ability. Like, um, one person's already entrusted with five talents. That's a lot more mm -hmm. than the one. But the one was condemned not because he 
didn't, you know, get five to begin with, but because yeah. he didn't use the one that he had effectively and yeah. invest that. Um, and so, yeah, just making the most of whatever it is God's given you. You, Each one of us has a sphere of influence. That's the little kingdom that God's given us authority in. And um, yeah, just the ability to, to, yeah, rule and reign over. And he's going to hold you accountable for how you do that. So don't bury it. Don't despise the day of small things. Don't yeah. be, um, yeah, comparing yourself to the influencers out there who have however many millions of followers, they don't actually really, like, they don't really change people. What changes people is the relationships and the ones that have enough mutual trust to be willing to speak and call out prophetically, like, the good and expose the bad. And so we need to just be, yeah, intentional about how we invest ourselves and the few people um, that God's given us um, that that influence in, not looking for the multitudes. Like, it's such a joke. It's yeah. It's funny that it's such an obsession right now in mm-hmm. our culture to be, um, to have followers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and everybody wants to have millions of followers and, uh, and they want to be essentially what they're saying is I want to be known by millions of people. I want everyone to know what I'm having for breakfast. I want everyone to know what I think about every political thing. Um, but what I really am looking for in my life is not someone else for me to know, but someone that's interested in knowing me, mm-hmm. someone that's interested in sitting at at a table with me and actually listening. And, and that's, that's really a mentor. Um, some advice I would get, I'm just going to give the four things that I'm going to give in my yeah, sermon. Dude. Just, just four things um, to think about in this. Number one is clarity. So I would say, um, go into this relationship, designating it as a mentor relationship. And it doesn't mean you have to commit to this for your life. Right. Mm-hmm. But just like, you know, I've done this with pastors before, man, I respect something about you. Can I learn? I did that with Rick Boya a few weeks ago here mm-hmm. at this, in this yeah. podcast. I'm like, Rick, I just, ex- I just respect you so much, man. I'm like, can I just sit down and ask you questions? Um, so, so make it clear, I, like, let them know what you're trying mm-hmm. to get out of the relationship. Um, and that, and, and maybe give them the questions in advance mm-hmm. even, you know, um, so that, that the conversation is robust and, mm-hmm. and has a plan. And there's, there's a place for just organic, like, let's just hang out, but usually you get what you plan for. So mm-hmm. if you're planning for, for an intentional dialogue, it'll often be more, more substantive. So clarity, secondly, relational equity. Mm. You have to give time in a relationship right. to, for relational equity to grow. I love the, the saying, I don't know who said it, but grow, you know, moving at the speed of trust, Dang. like move at the speed of trust. Like just spend a, the first time you hang out with somebody, just spend the first time sharing testimonies, yeah. just getting to know each other. You know, um, you're not going to get into deep things sometimes mm-hmm. until you have some layer of trust. So clarity, relational equity, number three, humility, mm-hmm. both sides. Yeah. If you if you or if you're looking to mentor somebody and you come across as condescending and belittling of their problems and saying, "Yeah, just wait, you'll see, been there, done that," or just know. being quick to speak and interrupt rather than listening to yeah. where they're coming from, it exactly. breaks trust. Yeah, like not thinking about like I what, just did when I interrupted you. I do it all the time. <laughs> um, and then lastly, so so clarity, emotional equity, humility, and lastly, gospel centrality. Mm-hmm. And and what I mean by that is that the the point of this meeting is not for me to tell you what to do. It's to remind you of Christ, like mm-hmm. you said, to to be a representative, um, to represent Christ, mm-hmm. uh, just to recap. So yeah, just, just four things, um, clarity, relational equity, humility, gospel centrality. And gospel centrality also doesn't mean just imparting the information and the theological truths that we right. find in the Bible. Like you said, one of the great ministries of Jesus is that he listened. Like I'd never heard that, but that's like so true. He spoke. That's a great gift that God spoke through the prophets, but is now spoken to us by his son. But the son came and he also listened. He yep. wasn't, yeah, like that's just incredible. So being yeah. able to listen, so important. Yeah. Uh, I heard somebody recently compliment a friend for being a good listener because they had lost a family member. And this friend just like listened for a long time. And I'm like, 
wow, that is the most, yeah, that's the most neglected ministry yeah. in the church probably. Yeah. The ministry of presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my friend, Jeremy Neff, who's one of the best pastors, counselors I know, he, 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 he told me his trick one time. He's like, just don't say anything. People will tell you everything. <laughs> if you don't fill the space, yeah. like if you don't, if you don't just like take away the awkward silence, like people mm-hmm. will just keep talking yeah. and then they'll start opening up things that, you know, and I'm a, I'm a silence filler, right? So I'm always like, well, by the way, anyways, so it's super good, man. I'd love to keep talking about this, but uh, I appreciate you, you coming out to Grants Pass uh, yeah. and, and spending some time. Can I ask just one, with one closing yeah. thought, what is one nugget of wisdom that you've gained from it? Well, maybe it was that, what you just said from Jeremy Neff, but are there any other like mentor moment, like nuggets of wisdom that you will hold on to for the rest of your life that just have shaped you as a person? Mm, man. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm pretty bad at remembering exact wording, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably one right there, man. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like, and, and and it's funny how much of stuff is caught rather than taught, right? You know, it's like watching somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best ways this is off topic, but one of the best ways to learn how to mentor is to be mentored. Yeah, and then do to others what they've done to you, yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I think a lot of what I've learned, man, is just been like watching people, yeah. watching people interact, um, watching the ministry of presence. And, uh, and, and that's, that's a, that's a huge thing, you know? So good. So I wish I had some really good nugget to drop, but I don't. No worries. <laughs> what about you, man? You got, you got, what's a closing? Uh, closing, closing one nug? for me is right here. Converse all stars. Yeah. Yeah. I was in fifth grade and one of the youth pastors, he was just a volunteer. He wasn't even a paid guy. He just took me in a group of kids out all the time. And I was the last one to be hanging with him and I'm going into sixth grade and he takes me to Fred Myers and he goes, Hey bro, I just want to hook you up with any pair of shoes. I come from a family with seven kids. So we were always right. getting either the discount shoes or maybe hand-me-downs, but like, um, he's like, just whatever pair of shoes you want. Like I want to hook you up. And we walked through Fred Myers and I always wanted some Converse All-Stars. So I pick them up and I'm like, are you sure? They're like 35 bucks or whatever. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> let's get them. And so like in that moment to me, as a kid to know this guy like cares about me and I'm special yeah. enough for him to invest $35 in getting me a pair of so shoes, good. like literally changed the trajectory of my life. And so I wear those as a sacrament. Like those, those shoes remind me, I have the ability now and you have the ability and we all have the ability to plant those gospel seeds that are not, he never, he never even was like, it's in Jesus name. And it's, you know, like it was just a gift that Mm. said that communicated my value to him and my worth. And so I wear them as a reminder that like God's given me now the ability to do that in people's lives. And I want to be faithful to walk in the gospel like that. So and those are the same exact shoes. They that are that. Bought. I've worn size you just nine cut and a the, half. You just cut the tips off so that your feet can poke through. <laughs> I wish I still had them in a frame, but dude, that's yeah. awesome. Can All I right. pray a blessing over your yeah, church and just please do, yeah. man? Yeah. Oh, heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son Jesus, who walked among us and uh, knew exactly what to say, but also was a great listener, um, a great example. And may your church, may we all be faithful to walk in His footsteps and to see those um, along the way who need guidance and um, to see ourselves as in need of guidance as well from those who are a little further along. So as we are mentored and as we mentor others, uh, may it be in the footsteps of Jesus and empower us by your spirit to uh, just continue walking in the spirit and um, yeah, using the, the gifts and talents that you've given us to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeah, Lord, and bless, uh, bless Rousseau, bless his story church, bless his ministry there to the kids and to, to the men that he leads. Uh, Lord, bless his ministry, Father, to his wife and uh, bless the quest 
pastor as well. And uh, Lord, just just be with my brother as he goes. Mm-hmm. Lord, thank you. I pray this mm-hmm. content would be edifying to those that would listen. Lord, in Jesus' mm-hmm. name, Amen. Amen. Thanks, Amen. bro. I blessed the quester, man. So whenever, <laughs> I know. whenever you put on your your overalls, dude, you're gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, yes, indeed. <laughs> All right, man. Air five. God bless. Thanks for the social distancing. <laughs>